in late 2017 um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, Jose Luis, a friend whom you might know already from, from a previous podcast episode. Hi, Nana. So he was um, working in a software tool that was intended to be an alternative entry point for designers, uh, himself and maybe myself included, to the use of robots. So I think the promise was to offer an easier way to tell robots what to do than what was already available. Ah, uh, that sounds about right. Hey, it's Nono, and this is the Getting Simple Podcast. Welcome to the Getting Simple Podcast. So robot control software is pretty hard. Jose Luis's project that was actually called Machina tries to make it easier in some way or another. And the main takeaway is that it leaves aside the complex logic, the math, the calculations, and exposes a human-readable interface of code um, with the purpose of focusing on writing programs that control robots and creating quote-unquote intuitive interfaces. Also, trying to not uh, focus on understanding the code that Jose Luis and other roboticists have to write behind the scenes for the robot to be told what and when and how to rotate or move. His project, and this again, this is my take, was intended as an enabler tool for his doctoral thesis project and the framework that will enable him to prototype interfaces and real-time interactions for designers to experiment in new creative ways. The program itself was meant to helping create along the process but i think that more often than he would have liked to the tool became his the main focus of his work instead of focusing on those interactions and prototyping maybe with people it's called going down the rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he, he can tell you better probably we're gonna have him explain a bit what um how the process had been afterwards so while his thesis was actually promising novel interactions and applications, he spent the bulk of his time coding the tool instead of experimenting with its potential uses. And I think this problem is always present when building software or even when building any kind of system for other people to use. I think it isn't until we can start using a working prototype of whatever tool you're building that we can all benefit from it. And frequently, even when the prototype is in place, we keep obsessing over the details and try to optimize every single bit of it, missing a really important point. That if the tool actually had a clear goal defined, so if there's something that you wanted to achieve, it should be used for that purpose as soon as possible. In the case of Jose Luis, it was to enable him to prototype and experiment with new robotic interactions. And I think it's not uncommon to see this pattern. And we often forget who are trying to help and what problem we're trying to solve, and get obfuscated on solving problems just for the sake of solving them. I think a lot of times where you try to find funding just to be able to work on the projects that you like, right? And not really for solving the, the need that we had in the first place, right? The things that you wanted to, to solve. I think there was a point, I, I think I actually told you, there was a point where I said, like, I think you need, and I think you knew that, like, you stopped <laughs> to keep adding new behaviors, compatibility with new robots or different ways to create programs and, you know, and moving the code around, renaming things. That was a, something needed to do in some way, but Machina was already working fine. 
And it was later, I believe in 2018, when Jose Luis actually moved into experimenting with the tool in, in a th way that I think is a bit more meaningful to foster community, to gather people who wanted to use the tool. And I actually was one of them. So his tool ended up being used to prototype the automation of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like some timber shed construction at the Autodesk build space with a huge robotic arm. So trying to have a human collaborate with a robot into uh, the process of moving two by four timber frames and to automate what he believes is the first ever automated pavilion built between humans and robots, right? By the Sahari Architecture Studio in London. <laughs> by yeah. Also by, it was used by students at the Harvard Graduate School of Design to 3D print ceramics and do really cool uh, stuff and for many other interesting applications, really. Um, I myself uh, had the chance to use it at Smart Geometry and also at Autodesk in Boston. The Smart Geometry conference happened in Toronto. Jose Luis, myself, and not to forget Matt Jessic, uh, created a project that connected Machina to a webcam in a laptop. And then uh, when you would take a picture, the computer would process that image and then uh, allow the robot to print a robot selfie of yourself. And this was actually a project that engaged a lot of people because every, you know, everyone wanted to have their robotic portrait. And in this way, the tool was rendered meaningful because not only with the robo selfie project, but with the other projects, because it displayed how a software tool can change how others who are already interacting with robots or like myself who didn't know how to use them before uh, could think differently about the process that they were doing or even learn from scratch and actually get going pretty fast compared to some other uh, engineering tools to do that. I had the chance to ask Jose Luis how the process of, you know, creating a tool and being really immersed on the tool and then actually seeing how other people use it and using it himself, uh, how, how it was different, how rewarding it was to actually see other people or not. So what was your experience of creating a tool that at first it was your own thing and then putting it out there and having other people install it, consume it, use it for their projects and come ask you questions to help them. And also seeing how the tool is enabling other people to do projects and learn faster in ways that you wouldn't have imagined to use it. I mean... It's it's a feeling that has a lot of sides to it. And it relates a lot to what I think I was talking about in uh, your podcast, like years ago, it feels, uh, which is uh, the idea that like, for me, teaching is fundamental to what I want to do and what I like doing just because I feel that I have a very tangible impact on the lives of people. So with tools, it's very similar because if you have an idea of a possibility that you could enable by writing a piece of software or making a piece of hardware or whatever and then you have the chance and i want to stress the word chance because it's an opportunity and you have to be lucky to be able to see people using this tool for you and then be able to appreciate how uh, for them it's actually something useful it's something that gives them a possibility that they didn't have before And especially something that brings a smile on their face. If you are lucky enough to see that, then I think it's a wonderful feeling. And it's the feeling that motivates me still today to wake up in the morning and do my work. 
Unfortunately, there's like many minor problems with that. One of them, and that's why I was stressing the word lucky before, is that if the kind of tools that you create are software tools, very often um, the way you publish those tools is by putting them up somewhere online on the internet and hoping that people download it and use them somewhere else. But you don't know who those people are very often, you don't know what they're using them for, and you very rarely um, get feedback, right? So that's why if there's anybody listening to this <laughs> and who uses open source tools or indie, I'm going to call them indie tools from other people, just throw them an email or tweet at them and be like, hey, this thing is badass if you really like and enjoy it and make them make their day, you know, because like they put a lot of effort in these things and very not so often do they get that kind of appreciation, which is a fuel that very often gets them going, right? There's also an unfortunate side of this thing is that sometimes people miss the, pers the perspective of being this grateful and they do not realize that people are putting a lot of effort and very often on their free time and for no money, just for the sake of it, in these projects. And users sometimes feel entitled to uh, make project creators liable for things or feel that they should be helping them troubleshoot or bug fix or whatever. And uh, that's not a nice feeling. Uh, people sometimes forget that you're doing this on your free time while you do have a real job and a real family and real obligations that you need to attend to, right? So um, if anybody, again, if anybody's listening here <laughs> and have a bug report on a feature request, just please start that with like, a, hey, this thing is really awesome and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I just think it would be nice to have this thing to it, whatever. And to your question before, the, there's, there's, and this is probably what gets me going as well too, is that there is a very strong element of surprise very often with these things, right? When somebody comes to you and they're like, oh, I was using your project for blah, 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 and like, and then they show you, you're like, wow, I had no idea. I would have never used it that way. I had no idea that was a possibility. I'm really surprised. This is very awesome. That's a great feeling. And it relates a lot to the things you speak of in this podcast. Creativity and innovation and new things and um, how you have a vision, but other people have another vision. And it's nice because that vision, people's vision, is not intoxicated with your own preconceptions and therefore they're more free and have a much more open mind than you do usually to see the possibilities and the potential of the projects that you're working on and you provide them with. Yeah, and I would highlight that having users or, I don't know, in other projects, maybe customers or having people who go to your shop or to your exhibit or whatever, those participants, I think, always add stress in some way, so add some difficulty, right? Because it's the real thing. They're actually, you know, if, if the, I don't know, if you have a vending machine and it doesn't work, they're going to complain, right? So if you're the vending machine creator and you never put it out there, it's yours. But th there is a moment in time when you actually put the thing out there that makes the thing real, but as well adds a lot of pressure because I don't know what if it's not what the customers, the users were expecting. So I think, I don't know, I just wanted to share this example of uh, Jose Luis because, I mean, I've followed really closely and we have him here. So <laughs> thank you so much. 
in any case, all these minor drawbacks or all these communication misunderstandings between people and creators and users, whatever you want to call it, those are like super minor problems or issues, if, if, I, if you will, that do not at all eclipse the great feeling that it is to be able to contribute to the community somehow and uh, witness how you can help people be more creative by giving them more options. The thing with working in a project where you have a very clear vision and usually a grand vision is that uh, it, it's, it's like we say in Spanish, like sometimes you're so inside the forest that you can't see the trees anymore or the other way around. I, don't, I forget what it is. So there's a, there's a problem, which is you get obsessed with like really pushing it far, far, far to comply with that grand vision that you have in your mind. And you lose the perspective that like, oh, this thing was quite usable like three months ago. Oh, no, but I want to add this feature. Eh, that feature is like a corner case, probably, that only very high-level expert users are going to be doing, right? So it is very much the case. Usually the problem with roundness is that very often you lose, you forget that probably using this tool yourself, using your project and building stuff with it, is going to be the best way you can learn of how to push the project farther and how to make it that grand. Yeah, and I think I would summarize that with, you know, prototype something try it and then keep improving. But as soon as you get to use it, the better it's actually going to be at the end and put it out in the hands of other people because usually other people are the only ones who can tell the things that you hadn't really seen that, you know, that are not easy to use or I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. I have to say about putting your project in the hands of other people, it can be a nerve-breaking experience <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not ready for it. I actually did conduct a serious, rigorous user study with Machina. I had 20 volunteers that participated in the study, and they, they went through a set of tutorials, and both with my system and with a standard robotic system. And they were both, they were asked to do the same task with the robot with both systems. And I had to stay outside of the user's uh, environment, just observing. So seeing 20 people were some of them, are, and many of them, um, sometimes run into trouble and you not being able to tell them how to solve the problem and the problem being like a really stupid thing. And you realizing, well, if it is a really stupid thing and these people are so smart that they're almost figuring it out, then it's not their problem. Obviously, it's my problem, right? So there's a very strong exercise of self-critique uh, when you're doing these kind of things. Yeah, and the important part is that when you hand software to people, you're never going to be behind, your, behind their backs to actually see what they're doing right or wrong. Which is especially worrisome when we're talking about an industrial robotic arm, which is large and powerful with a novel user. So guys, please stay safe. <laughs> Wear safety glasses and have light curtains if possible. <laughs> I've interviewed Jose Luis before, so you can listen to his episode at gettingsimple.com forward slash three for episode number three. And by the way, I'll just kind of cue in that Machina is an open source project to control robots. So anyone can download it and use it uh, at your own risk, I would say. <laughs> but he has a permissive uh, open source library and he's kind of active in at least responding people uh, who need anything with the project, at least learning how to use it or maybe even some feature requests. But 
we all know there's a bit of limited time for that. And if you build something cool, please tweet at me. <laughs> cool, and I'll add um, to the episode, I'll add how to go to the Machina repo and how to contact Jose Luis on Twitter or other uh, media. So feel free to use Machina for free. And, and yeah, to emphasize that Jose Luis gives the code he wrote for free so others can use it, change it, and experiment. So if you do something cool, let us know. Thanks for listening and see you next time.